When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. And as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mike D'Angelo and Brian Farver. Are you guys ready to talk about one of the greatest filmmakers to ever live? Heck yeah. And especially now. We haven't been together like doing this in quite a while. I know. We I took w- a bit of a break. I was going to mm-hmm. say, before we get into it, I got to say how happy I am to do like a regular discussion episode with you guys. It's been too yes. long. As everybody tunes out, knowing that we're not interviewing John Carpenter, but either way, (laughs) Brian, quick, do your John Carpenter, and we'll talk to you for an hour. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, he literally doesn't change voice. (laughs) Just talk about don't like anything I've done anymore. Just yeah, (laughs) shit on Hollywood and talk about how you love playing video games. Hey, you were just doing my Mark Webb voice. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. But uh yeah, so there's been plenty of good reasons why we've taken this far of a break, but yeah, it's it's great to come back and shoot the shit. So mm-hmm, I'm excited. Yeah. And and what better thing to talk about than John Carpenter, a filmmaker that's near and dear to my heart. So Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why are we talking about John Carpenter this week? Well, we're smack dab in the middle of two important anniversaries for Carpenter Classics. July 1st marked the 35th anniversary of Big Trouble in Little China. And July 10th marks the 40th anniversary of Escape from New York. And fans of those movies can agree those are two hugely influential films from one of the greatest American directors of all time. So for this episode, we're going to talk about those films a little bit, their impact on the film world today, and just kind of talk about Carpenter and what makes him so awesome. But before we get to that, I got to tell you, the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Okay, gentlemen, let's give the listeners a bit of a John Carpenter 101 if they're not familiar. Most people know him because he's the writer and director of the original Halloween in 1978, which revolutionized horror and basically laid the groundwork for the modern slasher. But what really sets Carpenter apart is what he did over a 10-year period from the late 70s to late 80s. Before Halloween in 1976, he did Assault on Precinct 13, which is an underrated thriller. Then after Halloween, he wrote and directed the horror film The Fog in 1980, Escape from New York in 1981, The Thing in 1982, Christine in 1983, Starman in 1984, Big Trouble in Little China in 1986, Prince of Darkness in 1987, and then They Live in 1988. So honestly, outside of Steven Spielberg, you'd be hard-pressed to find a director with a 10-year run with that many classics. Would you guys agree? Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. There's definitely some, but that stand up with that, that's that's fucking that's one hell of a run. Yeah. And and I know Mike and I talked about this briefly, but uh, if you want to compare him to Spielberg and, and I will fight that fight, I would give Carpenter the slight edge because he directed the movies, but he also wrote them and he did most of the music. Yes. So come on. And he was working with like a fraction of the budgets. But I digress. True. He, he's he's a small smaller filmmaker 
How dare you? <laughs> I was I'm sure he's just as buttons. I'm sure he's just as tall uh, as Steven Spielberg. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so to begin, I want to just ask you guys about your carpenter experiences and uh, the, specifically that run of films. And any of them stand out more than others? Are you guys big Starman fans? <laughs> Start with Brian. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, yes, I do like Starman. And I, I actually didn't see it until not that many years ago, but of those films, and I would also say Escape from New York, I saw more recently than that. Yeah, I, I would say those two really stand out. And Starman, especially, I mean, if you look at his list of films just in general, I mean, he definitely has more of a, we'll say horror slant. Starman, I think is a good example of, of what his kind of outside the genre films are like, because they he's very good overall but starman still manages to capture kind of the starkness this bleakness that a lot of his films have even though it's absolutely not a horror film um so yeah starman i i i loved love starman and i i think i still do it's been talking too much about starman I, I am. This, that's all we're talking about, right? Yes. Starman. It's it's the what thirty seventh anniversary of Starman. We'll we'll definitely talk about Perfect. that. But Perfect. Uh, Mike, Mike, what are your uh, highlights? Uh, I'm a I'm a big Carpenter head, especially that ten year run that we're mentioning right now. Um, obviously, the the thing that introduced me to him was Halloween. I watched those from about way too early <laughs> I was like 10 years old when I saw Halloween and then like watched them over and over and over again as I was growing up so that's like my favorite horror film franchise uh, how did you see them the, when did when did you see them like? all on all on like DVD or like VHS actually yeah. okay. they were probably VHS or they were like on USA Network and edited horror. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um but yeah so I, I watched those and then you know, over and over and over again. And then eventually I was like, oh, I should probably watch more John Carpenter films because I love Halloween so much. And then, you know, probably high school or college, it took that long. Uh, I watched The Thing and it blew my mind. And it's still like one of my favorite all-time movies ever. Yeah. Uh, and The Fog and like um, just pretty much any of that 80s run. I went through pretty quickly, except for Christine, which I watched for the first time all the way through today. Um, it, it's it's not bad, you know, but it's it's definitely got some of that Carpenter charm to it and, and like that bleakness that you were talking about. But mm -hmm. yeah, there are some things that don't age great. Uh, we'll just leave it there. But I, I, the guy from course, Back to School is yeah, amazing. Sure. <laughs> but of those, I mean, Halloween, The Thing, The Fog, um, Big Trouble, uh, Escape from New York, those are all like, you could put any of those on. On, and, and that would be like, I'd be a happy person. Yeah. And I know a lot of people kind of poke fun at they live because of the kind of, what is it? The five or 10 minutes straight, or is, I think it might be longer than that fight between uh, Roddy Piper and his co-star. I'm blanking yeah. on the names, but oh, yeah. it's kind of silly, but that movie, you know, of all the movies he's done, maybe outside of Halloween, that's the most memed movie uh, oh, yeah, in his career. Yeah. They live like the message of they live has probably outlasted the movie to the point where people who share the memes or joke about like the glasses that show like the real meaning behind things like I probably have never seen the movie but uh yeah <laughs> I really gotta wa watch that again because I think I've seen it all the way through like once or twice oh it's so great I, I should revisit 
Roddy Piper, again, if there's one thing I'll say about Carpenters, he takes guys that specifically Kurt Russell and, and Roddy Piper, these people who were known for not doing what they ended up doing for Carpenter, you know, uh, Kurt Russell was, what was he, Elvis, uh, and did like some Disney yes, movies. And then Carpenter's or like, John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. And then he yeah. was like, Carpenter's like, you'd be great as Snake Plissken, you know, like what? Mm-hmm. And then Roddy Piper was a wrestler who did like some real bad B movies. Um, uh, Hell Comes a Frogtown, which I actually have on, <laughs> on uh, I think 4K even. <laughs> Sounds like but, something Brian would bring up, but okay. Yeah, no, no, no. But but yeah, he takes this guy who's a wrestler, did B movies, and then he does They Live, which is like a fucking classic. So anyway. You do not besmirch Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> no, R.I.P. Roddy. <laughs> He's yeah. great. I loved him growing up. But um, uh, for me, I think the the movies that stand out outside of Halloween, I think Halloween's kind of the gold standard of all of his movies. But then you look at like Escape from New York and The Thing, we're only a year apart. And that's nuts yeah. because those movies are like just flat out classics. You would you could put them on today, 40 years after they came out and and people would be just blown away at how timeless they are. Yeah, dude, there are the thing that thing, yeah, the thing that's what, yeah, go on. I'm sorry, it ages so well. Yeah, Yeah, it does. I I cannot believe how well that movie ages out of all of them. I think that holds up the best. Yeah, well, I mean, Halloween. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. that that, even not even that, like, I think if you put it up against the thing, it's just a I, yes, it's crazier and gorier, but the the practical effects, yeah, oh, they're like second to none, they're amazing. It really is, and it holds up. But uh, I just quickly about Halloween, I watched it at an entirely too young age, probably because of cable <laughs> TV or blockbuster video. But um, I remember being so young and terrified of hedges, like tall hedges, because I was <laughs> oh, convinced yeah. Michael Myers was behind the hedge and he was going to jump out and get me. Absolutely. And he was. Yes, yeah, of course. To this day, I'm convinced. Okay, so that's kind of our overview of Carpenter. Obviously, we like him, but we're going to dive deeper into a couple of the movies that are celebrating those anniversaries. So the first one's Escape from New York. It's got 40 years now, which is nuts. Um, for those that don't know, Escape from New York's the first appearance of Snake Plissken. Um, should have been probably his last appearance. Oh. But um, <laughs> Escape from LA. Yeah. <laughs> Played by the incredible Kurt Russell, the film's set in a future, 1997, where Manhattan is one huge walled-off prison colony and Snake Plissken is a criminal given the opportunity for a clean slate if he breaks into Manhattan, rescues the President of the United States, and gets out within 22 hours, I believe. So it's kind of, saying it in 2021, you're like, I've seen this movie 15 times. But honestly, you had, like, before Escape from New York, there wasn't anything like this. You know, there wasn't The Rock. There wasn't, uh, and I mean, the the Michael Bay version, The Rock, not yeah. Dwayne Johnson. You know, there weren't these movies where it's like, let's send this criminal in, right? So, you know, it's a great movie. But I want to talk to to Mike first. What are your thoughts about Escape from New York? Because I know you recently just rewatched it. Yeah, I watched that one and uh, the other one we're talking about uh, yesterday. Uh, so a Kurt Russell, John Carpenter a thon, and yeah. it was. <laughs> quite pleasant donald pleasance uh <laughs> oh the, yes Excellent. for those that don't know donald pleasance from halloween fame returns as the president yeah 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 he returns as the president for escape from new york and has a weird accent for an american president but you know yeah, he does. <laughs> don't worry about it that's that's what we just kind of ignore yeah it's, uh, it's the crazy world of 1997 shit gets yeah. weird absolutely 1997 is one hell of a future um 
I think, you know, there are some things that are kind of corny and, you know, don't hold up as well as some of the others. But for me, it's just so charming and like super carpentry uh, that, I mean, there's all that, that darkness and the, the sci-fi elements that went on to inspire like a whole genre as well. Like, can we just stop and talk about how many genres he's like fucking punched in the ass and, yeah. and like rewritten basically. So, uh, and this one, you know, I was saying this to Charles before you can't get the first Terminator without this movie, uh, escape from, from New York. Literally, because okay. as I, in, in our research, we found that James Cameron did some of the matte paintings and was the director of photography for parts of Escape from New York. So there you go. Like, really? Hey, let oh. me just take some of these matte paintings and just use them over here. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So dark it, cityscape? I, yes, Dark please. cityscape. Yeah, but it, I, it's charming. It's kind of slow, but a lot of Carpenter films are are slow and, and kind of drawn out and dreadful but that's kind of on purpose. So um, if that's your thing, that's your thing. And and I think this one overall holds up the, the snake Pliskin of it all, the badass, like raspy, almost like a Clint Eastwood kind of guy dropped into a sci-fi movie that hadn't been done before, as far as I know. And what's crazy about escape. Cause I, I rewatched it too um, for the millionth time is you talk about slow. This movie starts, which is, white letters on black screen going through the credits with just the synth score <laughs> and then it goes to like this weird narration where they set the stage where like 1988 crimes on the rise by 400 percent blah 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 and they basically just lay out the ground rules for the movie and then you're introduced to like this beautiful like helicopter shot of like this rundown manhattan of the future and mm-hmm. and you you forget that he made this movie for like six million dollars like there was like no money there and it looks just as good as something that was probably made in 2021 um (laughs) which is not you know that's hard to do for a movie that's 40 years old but he did it and i think it's a lot of it's the practicalness of it all you know yeah there's no cgi at all in this movie um you know they uh one thing i read about the movie is they uh were worried it was going to be too expensive to like trash new york city so they ended up shooting in uh, St. Louis because parts of St. Louis already looked really like run down and like everything. Like a trashy New York City. Yeah. So they were just like, well, we can save money and we can just shoot in St. Louis to make it look terrible. It's just like, hey, we don't even have to fuck this place up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's great. Uh, Brian, what are, you, what are your thoughts on Escape from New York? You know, I... I remember when I saw this, I saw the warriors around the same time. Ah, yes. um, so I, I definitely, it's interesting that like, yeah, I, I can't believe 40 years old. And I think if, correct me if I'm wrong, the warriors came out maybe a year or two before that. It is might that even right? be longer than that. I know mm-hmm. warriors is not a carpenter film, but I just kind of, I remember thinking there's a interesting comparison here. Both movies, I think still look really, really good at the same time very much looking like like that era they have that i don't want to say dated that's the wrong choice of word but it's almost like well you can tell this is not made this was not made now but at the same time it it doesn't matter because it's still just i i any movie that tries to capture the now sadly what was once the distant future and now is kind of the distant past um 
I, I think that poster is great with the with just the numbers 1997 and big numbers <laughs> at the top. Like, oh yeah. What's crazy is it wasn't even that far in the future. Like. <laughs> yeah. It was only 16 um, years after the movie came exactly. out. Like it wasn't like he was like 2045. No, he exactly. Was like, yeah. But yeah, like I I've in watching it, like I could really appreciate the 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 cinematography. The music is awesome. And I I, I look forward to talking a little bit more about that in a bit because um he I don't I don't know how his his mind operates, but that is I would have to say that that rivals rivals Halloween in terms of in no. terms of his soundtrack work. I I really do. I it's think hard because Halloween has that theme. I know and you can't that's, escape that theme. That's that's the thing. Um, no, but, it's the Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, it's John Carpenter I, episode, and Look we're done. <laughs> But like, also, yeah. shout out to Ernest Borgnine as the cat. Yes, as oh yes, that uh, yes, forgetting and Borgnine. and uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, as Brain, aka there's a lot true. of good stuff in here. Wait a minute, was that now he had like he had a really long Kurt Russell had a, a super long contract with Disney, correct? Did he? Yeah. Did he go right from Disney? Yeah. Was this his first movie after Disney? No, no. I don't think it was his first movie after Disney, but I rem- I know that when, because they had other people in mind. Um, okay. In doing research, you find out that like, um, basically Carpenter wrote this uh, during the 70s because in, in a response yeah. to Watergate, where, you know, the government <laughs> sucks and he wanted to make a movie about how the president couldn't be trusted and blah, 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 blah. So he makes this escape from New York because, of course, Carpenter would have, you know, come up with this in response mm-hmm. to Watergate. Mm-hmm. And um, he also was inspired by Death Wish, apparently, because of how it presented New York City, kind of dirty, grimy, all yeah. that. But he obviously doesn't agree with the politics of of Death Wish. So he he was like trying to cast people and and they brought up, you know, Charles Bronson, of course, because Charles Bronson, for those that don't know, back in the late 70s, early 80s, he was like the badass action dude right yes which is so and absurd i know it's crazy back <laughs> but but he was too old carpenter <laughs> wanted him to be younger and so he was like kurt russell and they're like disney is kurt russell he's like kurt fucking russell and there you go what would that crazy. casting be like nowadays like who could we compare that to like, wyatt see? russell yeah i mean why people have asked him this and I've, I've seen him say hell no i would never do that but i would love to see it there and are moments movie, yeah this is a movie that could definitely be remade oh yeah oh absolutely totally update this well so last we heard lee 1l from um uh upgrade and invisible man fame yes um is is signed to do a remake and he said he would love to have wyatt russell and you watch this movie especially after watching like falcon and winter soldier you see mm-hmm. Wyatt Russell and Kurt Russell so much. Of course. Almost yeah. like, obviously, because they're related. But, you know, it's it's a young Kurt Russell is basically today's Wyatt Russell. Oh, yeah. man. I would that's, love to see that. that that's, that's a dream team right there. Oh, my God. That's exciting. Yeah. So, and the other thing I want to bring out about this movie is it's a very punk rock movie. Not in, like, the, the <laughs> like aesthetic sense because it's very much like a sci-fi action movie but you're talking about a guy who's got six million dollars john carpenter who's coming off doing halloween and the fog and he's like i want to make this sci-fi action movie with the guy from disney and you know i wanted to talk openly about racist police imperialism the government's terrible the president's a liar like Mm -hmm. come on man that's crazy talk yeah you just don't see that in like the movies with dwayne the rock johnson or vin diesel right 
<laughs> Vin Diesel in Escape from New York. Oh, God. yeah, he would be, you know, the family memes speak for themselves, but hey, like, you know, not against it. I'm not against it. Uh huh. <laughs> No, but there's this this I'm idea I'm that very against it. <laughs> yeah, but like Carpenter clearly comes from that George Romero school of like you can make oh, yeah. a genre film great, but you can also put political commentary in there, and That's and true. he does that. And I think there's Escape even a character a... named Romero in the movie. Yeah, Dougie and Cronenberg. Is there really a Cronenberg? Yeah, yeah there's a, a Cronenberg and a Romero in Escape oh. from New York. Oh, no. see, I wasn't paying attention to my recent rewatch. Yeah. <laughs> Um, quickly, I do want to talk about what did happen after Escape from New York, because it's, it's impossible not to mention this without the sequel, uh, mm. Escape from L.A., which was in 1996, I believe. And this is interesting because it's terrible. Um, <laughs> it is god awful. And what's really sad about it is this is written by Escape from L.A., I'm sorry, is written by Carpenter, Deborah Hill and Kurt Russell. This is like the trio, the dream team coming yeah. together and writing an escape movie. And they just botched it so much. Yeah. And um, I don't think, Brian, you said you haven't seen the whole sequel, right? No, I started it and it just, it, I, I think I, I must have gotten bored or something. There was some disconnect there. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically the, it falls in the sequel trap of like, let's do it all over again. Um, except it's yeah. LA instead of New York and it's slightly in the future. And yeah, it's just not good. Mike, everything you... else is terrible. And for yeah. some reason there's like weird CGI surfing and just, oh. <laughs> Cause remember it's, it's the nineties. So it's like corny and goofy. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just everything. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where it's, you know it doesn't take away from Escape from New York but it kind of just sullies the whole franchise because we never got that definitive Snake Plissken franchise. Um, because it, it, they botched it. And, and I want to bring this up to you because from my research, I found that um, one of Brian's favorite Carpenter movies, Ghosts of Mars, actually <laughs> <God>. started, actually <laughs> <you> started <laughs> as Escape from Mars. Uh-huh. And was going to be the threequel. You're Snake kidding. Plissken. Ghosts of Mars was going to be a Snake Plissken movie? Yes. And they oh. did like just a rudimentary rewrite when uh, Escape from LA bombed and the studio's like, absolutely not. We're not doing another Snake Plissken movie. So they changed it to Ghost of Mars and did a little rewrite, changed the main character from Snake Plissken to, I think his name's like Demolition Williams or something. Ice and, Cube. And, it, and it's Ice Cube. Yeah. Yeah. So now when you watch- all of that information, I'm shocked that Ghost of Mars got a rewrite because <laughs> couldn't tell me. I, I could not tell. <laughs> yeah. And, and so we also, bringing this up, we have to say, like when we talk about Carpenter as like one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, he does, you know, late, late career uh, Carpenter is not great. Um, <laughs> it's hard to say what happened. Maybe he, you know, just was bored. Maybe he was just kind of over it. Maybe he lost creative control. Whatever the case, it just, it doesn't work out. So we, we specifically talk about this 10 year span for a reason. Mm-hmm. yes stick to the 10 year span yeah. do not venture off the path except for <laughs> interviews watch his interviews the man yeah. is a truth machine he will tell you everything how it is he does not care yeah. anymore or vampires vampires is not bad i will stand by vampires <laughs> <laughs> can i just really quick uh, a quick aside about vampires i remember seeing the trailer for vampires and being so stoked like look at how gory this looks and james woods and i, I remember showing it to my my friend jeff nelson and the, the trailer i mean 
And we were just like high-fiving, like, look at this. This is this movie is for us. <laughs> and then not seeing it until it came out on video and thinking, well, this isn't what I wanted. Like it was I recommend you rewatch it. it I, with different you think eyes. So? Yeah, wow. it's it's a better movie than you're you're describing. James Woods is good. I I will agree James Woods is good. I, I don't yeah, it's been so well, so vampires kind of came out around that from Dust Till Dawn era, right? Yes. Like yeah. it was like it's so cool to be Tarantino and vampires, and and I it definitely got overshadowed by that. I probably haven't seen it since VHS. I just I miss the days. This is a bit of an aside too. I miss the days where you could a movie could come out in theaters and you just don't watch it until it comes out in video and you didn't hear anything about it. Like, yeah, it was just one of those things where you're like, oh, I remember this came out like five months ago, but I didn't get to see it. I'm going to rent on VHS and see what it's about. Nowadays, you can't do that anymore. You know, if you don't see a movie opening weekend, good luck trying to develop your own opinion. (laughs) Anyway, that is true. I do. I I miss those days, too. Yeah. So many indie films that I discovered on video that, yeah, never either didn't come out around here or I just missed them for whatever reason. That was fun. God, yeah. that was fun. Greats yeah. like Ghosts of Mars. Ghosts of Mars. <laughs> and John Carpenter's Vampire. <laughs> Not to be confused with the sequel, Vampires Los Muertos. Los Muertos. Wasn't uh, Bon Jovi in that one? Oh, was he Lord. not? Uh, yes, he was. I did not see John Bon Jovi. <laughs> Johnny Bon Jovi, acclaimed actor. But uh, <laughs> OK, let's we're we're getting off topic here. Sorry, uh, we're off topic. Sorry. Here. Yeah. So let's let's uh, wrap it up on Escape from New York. Anything else you guys want to say about that movie before we move on? Watch it. Remake it with Wyatt Russell. Watch it. Yeah, oh, yeah. That stuff. You don't even have to remake it. I would like a redo on the sequel, you know, like a reboot call like they did with Halloween. Ooh. Like, let's so do it. Like, let's let's have like Kurt Russell current because he's awesome still. Oh, and, and Lil Snake. Yeah. <laughs> Lil we just Snake. call him Lil Snake. <laughs> what else would he be? Like Scorpion, maybe? Yeah, just something even more ridiculous. He's like, spider. Snake and spider. Exactly. <laughs> spider Pliskin. Spider Pliskin. Yeah, I'm all about it. Either way, yeah. let's let's bring some more Pliskin in. Let's mm-hmm. let's do it. What yeah, like I, what character would you say like is akin to Snake Plissken? Like I can't think of like there's plenty of action heroes. There's you know John McClane and all them, but who is similar to Snake Plissken? I, I would I, I would put so you there isn't like a, a direct one to one. There are a lot of people influenced him by him. I would say like even John McClane, the whole like normal guy sort of badass who gets injured. By the yeah. end of Escape from New York, he's limping. Like he's taking some <laughs> bruises and some bumps. Like he's not doing well, and True. he almost dies. Like it's it's a pretty crazy uh, situation with Snake. He's never like he's not bulging out of his shirt or anything ridiculous like Stallone yeah. or um, he's, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's, it's less about n- the stuff that came after and and what kind of inspired it, which was like a lot of the westerns. Yeah, that, he's very true. much a westerns. Yes, he loves westerns, and he was just kind of taking that archetype and dropping it in a sci-fi movie. Which but even hurt. still, there are movies like it's again. There's no one to one, but there's like some. Oh, some there's definitely shades some, like, of Snake and yeah. a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, but uh, I mean, Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid. Hey, hey, yes. Anything with an eye patch. Trace yes. it back to Kurt Russell. <laughs> Speaking of Kurt Russell. Let's move on to 1986's great movie, Big Trouble in Little China, which is celebrating its 35th anniversary. Um, This movie is another Carpenter great. It stars Kurt Russell, except this isn't Snake Plissken Kurt Russell. This is a different type of Kurt Russell where he's this 
charismatic trucker dude handsome guy named jack burton who thinks he's like this badass action hero but it's actually a bit of a bumbling fool um the movie takes place in uh basically like chinatown and it in unfortunately it doesn't age too too well because there are a lot of asian stereotypes rampant in this movie um not so great asian stereotypes it's still very entertaining but yeah there's there's the charisma, what he didn't have or what he had in a different way in Escape from New York, Kurt Russell brings in spades and freaking big trouble where he's he's basically Dwayne The Rock Johnson 30 years before Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Ah, he's yeah. he's or this, Chris Pratt. Or, you know, oh, especially Guardians. Chris Pratt. Um, mm-hmm. You can't. Yeah, I mean, he's basically Star-Lord for sure. Yeah. Um, he's just this guy who talks a big game and just can't back it up. Um, I know, Mike, you you brought up the uh, the Indiana Jones comparison because it's hard not to talk about this without Indiana Jones, where, you know, they're both kind of these heroes that aren't really great at being heroes, but kind of always win in the end, Um, Mm -hmm. except Indy's, you know, the smart guy who's just not much of a he never Indy never says he's going to kick your ass and then, you know, loses, whereas (laughs) Jack Burton will be like, I'm going to kick your ass and then you're going to steal your girl and And still winds up with neither. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it's a very different type of movie. But um, but nonetheless, because of the way Kurt Russell plays him, it's highly influential. Um, So I want to go to you guys. What do you guys think of Big Trouble 35 years later? Every time I watch it, I'm just I'm just blown away by how absolutely bonkers the movie is. (laughs) It's just so you could never make it again. Even like probably five years later, you probably couldn't have made that movie. No. Um, but man, is it's really entertaining. I, I again I rewatched it yesterday. It's just so like I don't know how to describe it other than like at times befuddling. Yeah. But really likable. Like it's super, super weird. And there's nothing else like it, I don't think. I mean, could you think of any any other movie that's like this movie? No, not well yeah. for those that haven't seen it, because I, I feel like this movie, um, even more so than Escape from New York, has kind of fallen by the wayside a bit as the years go on, just because of how not PC it is anymore, right? <laughs> like uh basically the premise is is there's this uh there's like this, what is he, kind of like an Asian spirit um evil guy who has to marry and uh, uh a, a green-eyed girl and if he does that he's able to then have a physical body and so that's kind of his whole thing is he's trying to hunt down green-eyed girls and he kidnaps um jack burton's friend's girl like his fiance mm-hmm. and they have to go to chinatown and fight and as you know anybody who's been to chinatown knows it's filled with a bunch of asian people that know magic and kung fu and <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of where the wheels start to fall off a bit is because it is very much of that asian mysticism sort of thing that that makes us cringe today but back then it's like oh yes every you know chinese person must know kung fu and and definitely you know ha- can do some sort of magic and call upon dragon spirits and shit like that and you know it's crazy but yeah, fingers crossed. It's, Marvel can thread that needle, guys. In a couple months, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if you're listening to this after Shang Chi comes out, hopefully we're wrong, but, but let's let's hope. Fingers crossed that that movie actually turns out all right. But like, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, and and for and to defend uh, Carpenter a little bit, he does try. It's almost like he knows that this is kind of the stereotype. And whenever he can, he tries to play against it. Like the music isn't the stereotypical around that era sort of 
Asian mysticism music, you know, it's, it's very much rock driven and synth driven as he's known to do. Um, Mm -hmm. He, he never, he never does the Asian characters in a way, specifically uh, Kurt Russell's sidekick character. Um, He's never done in a way that's, you know, making fun of him, I'd say he's the true badass of the movie, whereas Jack Burton's kind of the loudmouth. Um, so it, it's not terrible in that sense, but yeah, it's, it hasn't aged well. <laughs> There's what my, you, Brian. My, yeah, that's my legal defense for Big <laughs> Little China um, and why everybody should watch it. But Brian, what do you think? You know, I'm looking at the uh, Wikipedia for this movie and I, and it's, it, it very much is, is touching on what you, what you've described. It's a 1986 American fantasy martial arts action comedy film, like yep. right off the bat. <laughs> and I would, I would say like, w- would you guys characterize this as very much a mid eighties film? I would say yes. Because that was such a weird dumping ground for, for all these just rather bizarre films that have since gone on to become a lot of them come become these like cult classics, um, mm-hmm. which I think wasn't this one a bomb? Didn't this one bomb? Oh yeah. Well, so uh, Mike and I, I were looking at movie. looking at the box office for John Carpenter, and you will not yeah. be surprised to know that the highest grossing John Carpenter movie of all time is Halloween with a whopping forty million dollars. Forty-seven. Um, Forty-seven. Really? That's <laughs> every other, every other movie that John Carpenter has done has done far below that number. We're talking twenty millions to. Wait, is he not at like? Did he? Is he considered not like a a box office like no, no mastermind? No. I did not know this. That is I, very interesting. He might be like the king of the cult classic. Like every movie yeah. that we talk about, outs- and again, the movie the thing game, flopped. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I don't think yeah. Escape did very well either. Nope. No, well, the yeah. first Escape because it only cost six million did all yeah, right. Um, but yeah, like no, it's his movies never do well. And Big Trouble of Mars did really well. Did really, really, really <laughs> a five hundred million dollar worldwide <laughs> smash. Uh, the thing about Big Trouble, I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head with the eighties thing. It was a time, maybe it was cocaine fueled. Who knows? It was a time <laughs> when studios were willing to greenlight just about anything. I'm thinking yeah. off the top of my head, Howard the Duck, Garbage Pail Kids, see um, all these like mid eighties from like eighty four to eighty six movies where they were just kind of like you know sure. let's do it carpenter like apparently he did want to like speaking of before we get off of huang uh he jackie chan was going to be the original wang right was he really oh so that's just a little tidbit for you yeah and and that goes to show again with my legal defense that big trouble in little china isn't that terrible is because you know he did like carpenter has uh reverence for the actual like culture of Hong Kong filmmaking. Oh yeah, I love that. Um, so it's you know it was done with a love. It was just maybe thoughtless love. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get the feeling as I look at this like this ten year span of films, and even as I look at like some of his later films too, that like th- these are all. It just seems to me like even the ones that 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 suck, that objectively suck. Um, it just seems like he really he 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 doesn't phone in any of them. I think this is a good example of like, this movie is going to be super weird. We'll see how it does, but I want to make this movie. I've, I've, I'm known for making these other types of films. This one, I, I really want to do. And that's like, I can just see like his passion, like 
even just as the movie starts, you can tell like this is a movie that 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 he he's going to tell the story. It's going to come out the way it comes out. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think any other. I think as as odd as it may be, this might be the most Carpenter film um, <laughs> of of all his films, especially during that era. Like it's just weird enough to work. If yeah, that makes sense. he's definitely the type of guy that just doesn't care. Like yeah. he cares about the movies, but he doesn't care what you think about the movies. Exactly. Um, and he definitely doesn't care about Hollywood and what they expect. And, and you know, all of his movies can kind of be seen as a bit of a middle finger to, you know, the man, the man, so to speak. But, <laughs> but it's yeah. like, it's interesting too. I'm sorry to interrupt. It's just like interesting that like he, it's almost like he knew like, eventually you'll get it you know like you see like the back like to the future thing yeah like mm-hmm. yeah like, you may not like it but your kids will love it your kids will love it like it's just you look at the like we were just talking about like the amount of money these movies did not make but it's almost like he knew like th- these will catch on eventually like it's just we gotta we gotta get there a bit and this is one that yeah like like you guys are saying and i have i have other people too that just love this movie now just love big trouble. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. I mean, it spawned like comic books and video games and board games. And, you know, they're actually, we, I, ju- I said that the rock, you know, probably owes this movie, like his career to this movie. He actually has yeah. for years been trying to remake this or make a sequel to this movie. Um, it's, it's lived on in a way that you could argue that outside of Halloween, not a lot of his other movies, Carpenter's movies have, it's groomed this huge fan base. People love Jack Burton just because, mm-hmm. you know, other you know stereotypes and characters aside like jack burton is a great creation and just like sneak plissken these are characters that you know we didn't see a lot of there is no big trouble too um and and there probably never will be like and even if there is even if the rock makes it and you know he he's gonna put like 150 million into it you know it's gonna be such a sanitized pg-13 version like it's just it's not gonna be the same yep yep so, but I'd watch it. I'd, I, of course. <laughs> Brian, this is the moment I would allow you to talk about the music because every one of these movies, this is uh, Carpenter, oh. and and you can hear a Carpenter score from a mile away. It's very yeah. much his music, his way. Even you know, after synthesizers might not have been used nearly as much before, ten years later, he's still doing it. You know, twenty, thirty years later, even. So, what is it? Do you think about Carpenter? his music, his scores that makes them so unique. I was thinking about this earlier and it, I mean, I really, I guess I'm having a a hard time finding another filmmaker that, that does their own music. And what I mean by that is I know that there's other filmmakers that do their own scores, but they don't always pull it off. I no. mean, and these not only not only did Carpenter pull it off, but he did create. I would say the Halloween theme is as recognizable as, as Jaws, and like I mean, oh, come absolutely, on, like, right? So, um, you're right. You can hear like there is a similarity amongst his amongst his soundtracks, but enough of a difference at the same time. Um, he likes a good synth. He, he likes does. a good synth. Um, <laughs> and my my brother is a huge Carpenter fan and, and specifically a Carpenter music fan. So, um, and he loves like just old, 
synth soundtracks um loves goblin um, i love goblin too yeah so he's he's turned me on to a lot of a lot of this and a lot of carpenter stuff like for movies that uh soundtracks that i've heard but haven't seen the movie and um it's now with like stranger things and you know how that's kind of bringing back the the synth soundtracks it's obvious that that's a wink and a nod toward toward carpenter the show itself but also the music um i i think it's great um so i i'll yeah. forever have a hard on for, for, <laughs> for that he likes a good yeah sparse synth laden kind super of super sparse yes and then you know something that sows dread really well it's yeah. never bombastic either no, like i was no. reading somewhere where uh maybe it was wiki maybe it was an interview where Hans zimmer like cites him as like a, an influence and he does oh cool and it's crazy because you think of Hans zimmer you think of like you know inception and things like that where it's just mm-hmm. drums, 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 drums yes <laughs> you know and then you listen to a carpenter thing and it's like ding 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 ding. you know it's just yeah, this, it's a completely different vibe stuff. yeah it's it, but it, it i was watching escape from new york and like i said the whole I guess like first like three, four minutes of the movie is just, you know, his music over title cards. Like, yes, he's not hiding behind the music either. Like he's like, this is my music. It fucking rocks. There are so many <laughs> times on where tour. I, yeah. Like where I've, I've just been watching a movie and I'll just pay attention to the music and I will miss something. I'll miss some dialogue or I'll miss some on-screen action because his music, it, it's quite obvious. He wants to push it to the, to the front just a little bit maybe too much maybe that's a detriment to the film but but it's it's hard to argue when it's that good so yeah stop directing to start composing music for films or well, just do it all he's done yeah <laughs> i mean he he writes he directs he does his music he you know he even acts sometimes in his movies go right mm-hmm. ahead mm-hmm. do it all yeah. um so yeah we can all agree his music's incredible and if you aren't familiar with it just go on spotify and listen to some of the scores they're they're nuts just how mm-hmm. you know they're very much of the era in the sense that like you think of since you immediately are brought back to like that 80s nostalgia but there's also something so timeless and and eerie about all of his his music that only john carpenter could make there's nobody else again there's nobody else doing music like him either and the thing too is like a lot of people will think oh the halloween theme okay well but the, the rest of his music is so much better I, yeah. the halloween theme is so recognizable but there are so many other soundtracks of his that are just a million times better that people just if they would just pay attention just a little bit they don't I don't know about that i think the halloween good. theme yeah. and score is just the, the, oh no it's great it's i it's, remember do you guys remember back in the early days of the cell phone when you had to pay for ringtones oh yeah yes I remember paying for the Halloween theme as my ringtone just because I was like, I have to have that music on my Mm -hmm. phone. If my wife hears it, she like immediately makes me turn it off. She cannot really, (laughs) she's scared of even the theme. So yeah. Yeah. So it's great. So uh, moving on, this is interesting in my, in my little bit of uh, research on the internet about Carpenter, I found some movies that he was offered, but he turned, turned down because again, you make these movies, they don't, they're not huge box office hits, but they're, they're undeniably good. And of course you're going to get other offers. So I'm going to go through these movies and I want your honest opinion with each. So first one, this is kind of a cop-out because he turned down this movie to do big trouble because he knew they are both very similar and he chose big trouble. And the movie I'm talking about is golden child. Hmm. The Eddie Murphy vehicle. Yeah. So the story goes that, uh, 
as Carpenter says, they hadn't made a movie, an American movie about Asian mysticism for decades, but somehow two studios came out with the same story in Golden Child and Big Trouble at the same time. And there was like a race to do it. And so he was offered Golden Child, but then read the script for Big Trouble and chose Big Trouble, uh, even though he he was almost swayed by Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. um, because Eddie Murphy starred in Golden Child. And as a fan of Golden Child, because I love Eddie Murphy, uh, they're very different movies. Oh, um, yes. And, and I, there is a sick part of me that would love to see a John Carpenter Golden Child. But uh, yeah, I think <laughs> he made the right choice. Yeah. Strangely enough, Kurt Russell, didn't he turn down Highlander for that movie? For Big Trouble? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh. That's interesting, though. Yeah, I believe it's... He would have been a good Highlander, too. It would have been an interesting alternate history, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, God, I don't think anybody else could have been Jack Burton, though. No, no. I'm glad he went the route he did. Yep. Um, Okay, so next movie that Carpenter turned down in the 80s, Top Gun. Oh, Hmm. Yeah, another movie that's coming back as as a new thing. Um, apparently, Carpenter was offered Top Gun. He read it. He's like, I can't do anything with this. Um, <laughs> How many times does it say greased up men? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and obviously, Top Gun ended up going to uh, Tony Scott, who who was an incredible filmmaker. Sadly, passed away. And uh, Tony Scott just like fucking Top Gun and Tony Scott are just like synonymous. So yeah, it all worked out in the end. Another amazing score. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow and and we're and we're psyched for uh, uh maverick. maverick yes oh, thank you. yeah of course they should have called it danger zone but it's tom cruise he's gonna call it maverick whatever <laughs> okay another movie exorcist part three ah uh, <laughs> because you know carpenter does horror might as well throw him on an exorcist yeah. movie do you guys yeah. remember exorcist part three here's the thing I've never seen any of the Exorcist movies. Well, oh. I can't believe that for a second. You need to go watch The Exorcist right yeah, away. I feel like it's too late. Like I've seen all like the <laughs> the the upgraded versions. So maybe so, I'll uh, revisit it. Exorcist is another one of those movies that I watched at an entirely too young age. However, uh, I was obsessed with it when they did that re-release, that R-rated re-release. I think it was like 2000 or 99. I was like so psyched for it as this little horror movie nerd that I go to the theaters opening night, midnight showing. I'm like ready to be blown away. And all these people in the theater are laughing at the movie and on their phones. It was the 20 years later is like the worst movie going experience of my life. And so I, I think exorcist doesn't hold up the way like, if you're going to it thinking like, Oh, this is like the conjuring. You're going to be sorely mistaken. Yeah, absolutely. But it is incredible. But Exorcist Three is 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 really interesting. Um, if you guys want to like go back and rewatch the Exorcist movies, watch the first one, skip the second one, watch the third one. It's not good, but it's uh, <laughs> a very interesting concept, and it would have been interesting to see what Carpenter could have done with it. But yeah, hmm. of course he passed on that. Uh, another '80s movie he passed on: Firestarter. Oh, Man. Yep. Uh, Firestarter with Drew Barrymore, which they are remaking right now. Blumhouses, I believe, with Zac Efron. So, oh, look forward oh. to that. I think they're filming that right this moment. Well, that's unfortunate. Now, this is the one that made me do a double take when I read mm. Fatal Attraction. Oh, that could have worked. An erotic thriller with John, John Carpenter. I don't know. Hmm. 
he famously said like you know he passed on it because it reminded him too much of another movie and then i'm forgetting what that movie was um but yeah he 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 basically shit on the movie on the way out and said you know this is a hunk of garbage um and then uh adrian lang comes up and and does the movie and it becomes like kind of a classic erotic thriller that spawned countless other imitators yeah huh all right this one's kind of obvious but but interesting uh halloween h2o yeah that came yes. close he, i i honestly really like halloween h2o i it's I would, the scream of halloween's but still it is it is thoroughly entertaining have you good, seen it recently comparison. yes i still love it okay uh, last halloween the holiday um i watched it because it was on like one of those marathons it's okay because as yeah, genuinely Curtis, it's not amazing, but it's I, I think. But Josh Hartnett with his hair is a little weird. Uh, in that. There's so many like Hartnett. there's I so love, many of those like Hartnett. Dawson's Creaky parts where you're like, ooh. But yeah, it's see not that great. stuff. I think I, I guess cool it's, it's because I was a uh, a teenager when that came out that I I have this sweet sweet nostalgic spot for it. Yeah, so, so there's a lot of nostalgia that fits that era perfectly. With I know what you did last summer, and yeah, and Scream, Ooh, and yeah. that's it is a perfect late '90s, yeah, slash. Yeah, perfect. But, so, so the story there is Carpenter asked for ten million dollars to direct it, and they laughed and said, "No, thank you." <laughs> <laughs> and and this one too is very interesting. Uh, the last one I'll mention, Zombieland. Oh, now oh, man. this this is weird because. It wasn't the movie version of Zombieland. Um, back before it was a movie, it was pitched originally as a TV show. Yes, it was eventually made into a TV show, but before that, it was pitched as a TV show, and Carpenter was going to do it. And then they ended up morphing it into a movie. He stepped away, and Ruben Fleischer came along and made the Zombieland we know and love. So, yeah. wait, he would have been like the showrunner, basically, on this He would have directed episodes. I don't know that the showrunner title was so much of a thing back then. This oh, was, okay. uh, like, 2005, 2006. Um, so, yeah. Strange. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine a John Carpenter Zombieland. But then again, I would yeah, be now a that lot I, more low budge, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yes. But I, w- I would be super interested to see his take on a zombie movie for sure. Like a full like yeah. Romero zombie movie. Yeah. In the 80s, though. <laughs> well, I mean, even if he made it in 2021, it would be very much a product of the 80s, I think. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of his heyday. I was just saying I would have preferred to see him do it when he was. Oh, yeah good things <clears throat> again again yeah late career so here let's wrap up we'll talk briefly about late career john carpenter so john carpenter goes off and he does these this incredible run of 10 years of just like classic 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 and then he has a couple bombs and the bombs hit hard with a thud yeah. and we're talking after they live he did memoirs of invisible man um in 1992 which one of Brian's favorites. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can't help but think like, Ooh, that's, that was a rough one, but then he did in the mouth of madness, which is whatever village of the damned meh. And then it's like his big one's going to be escape from LA. And as we said before, hit with a thud. Mm -hmm. Then vampires gets overshadowed by like from dust till dawn. He then goes and does ghosts of Mars in 2001. And then he basically says, fuck Hollywood. Yep. And he yeah. says, I'm out of here in 2001. And he doesn't direct a movie until The Ward in 2010, which didn't get great reviews. Not a lot of people oh, remember it. about that one. Yeah, That's had right. Amber Heard, um, yeah. Jared Harris. It's not a great movie by any stretch, 
Um, but it yeah. just, it, it was a low budget movie that didn't, you know, you know, set anybody's uh, box office on fire or anything. Yeah. So 2010, that movie doesn't do well. The big John Carpenter comeback is a bust. And he basically just says, fuck it, I'm going to go play video games. And that's what he's been doing. And it wasn't until um, Halloween, the 2018 one, where he kind of came back in the spotlight and started doing interviews again because he wasn't like writing or, or creating that movie in any way, but they did consult him. And uh, that's a pretty good, I, I think we can. And he did to, the score. He did the score, of course. Yes. Um, which they, of course, riffed on his, his theme. He kind of rewrote it a bit and then, you know, did more with the score. And, and I believe he's back doing music for Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. And I'm looking up Halloween Kills right now, and it looks like his son, Cody Carpenter, is doing the music for Halloween Kills with oh, his dad. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know Cody Carpenter's mom is Adrian Barbeau, who is from Escape from New York. Yep. They were married for a short period of time, I think. Yeah. And at least, you know. But yeah, so Carpenter's doing stuff, not a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, mainly, I think he's, he did. He's earned the right to do whatever the fuck he wants. Oh, yeah. And, and I wrote of, uh, read a lot of interviews and wrote a lot about Carpenter over the last few years because of Halloween. And um, the basic the basic log line he gives now is he's willing to, you know, you can take whatever property of his you want. He'll sign off on it as long as you pay him. Uh, with a nice check <laughs> and he's just going to be content with playing like nba live i think is his game of choice oh and, awesome <laughs> and yeah cash and checks making music like that's what he wants to do and yeah he's fucking deserved it yeah i always felt that like i think it was around the time of in the mouth of madness that that was around the time that i really started to like pay attention to that's what, when you started like, to pay attention to him. No, like <laughs> what what movies, like what what reviews they were getting, or like how oh. many stars they get in the paper, or like starting to be aware of like what the how much money this movie was making. And I I had known who John Carpenter was, but then like I think In the Mouth of Madness was the first time I kind of like, oh okay, this is a John Carpenter film. And uh, I don't remember how old I was. I was probably like maybe twelve, and just noticing like every time I'd hear, oh, there's a John Carpenter movie coming out. I remember thinking this, especially with Escape from L.A. They just kept getting released around times that they were buried. Like, I remember Escape from L.A. coming out in the summer of 96, when I think was the first summer I ever really paid attention to, like, the blockbusters. And I remember reading, like, Cinescape and thinking, wow, this is going to be a great summer for movies. We've got, like, Independence Day and Mission Impossible and this Escape from L.A. movie that's getting really heavily touted here. And they all just kept getting, like, just the timing I thought was always so awful. Like there were always more prominent films coming out and these movies just kept getting, yeah, overshadowed again and again, like Village of the Damned. I, I didn't even know about that until I think that was on, on video. So I just remember the, uh, the poster for that movie was super mm-hmm. creepy with the kids. With the, all the girls at the, yeah, that was, yeah. That, I don't know that I ever saw the full movie. I just know the trailer and the, the poster really well. Yeah. 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 Um, Christopher Reeve, Kirstie Alley. I mean, Mark. Yes. Hamill. Did you like, did you guys like, like, like any of his late career films or even like tolerate? I, <laughs> I can tolerate is, vampires. Is yeah. yeah. Vampires. Yeah. Um, the ward isn't terrible. It's whatever. It's just, it doesn't feel very Carpenter-esque, unfortunately. Um, yeah. In the mouth of madness is, is whatever. Again, it's, 
it's tough because you think of ghosts of Mars as kind of like the quintessential and escape from LA, the late career carpenter. And those just movies are not good. And those are awful. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's just, it's more, it's more upsetting when you, when you see what he did before and how like, like Mike said, he basically created genres, you know, like Halloween was like, okay, there were slasher movies pre Halloween, not a lot of them. They're very low budget. And he was like, he had a legitimacy to the slasher movie to the point where um, Friday the 13th is a direct, there's a reason why there are a whole bunch of holiday themed slasher movies. Yes. Black Christmas, I think came out before this, but Halloween really did sort of, set the stage for like okay friday the 13th and all these other holiday themed it made it a thing it legitimized yeah Yeah. uh then you have escape from new york is this this like almost post-apocalyptic sort of mad maxi thing but then with uh a snake plissken which has never really been seen before the thing kind of really revolutionized horror in a way that really wasn't done before and that's a remake um which is crazy to think about and then um you know, big trouble in little China. You, you said it, Brian, there's like five genres that movie covers, like it's all yeah. over the place. Um, so yeah, he's, he's kind of a one of a kind filmmaker and, and that's great. There, there just aren't other people that could do the movies he did. Yeah. I, I 100% agree. Yeah, it's because so- he has his fingers in everything like writing direction, composing, editing in some cases. Yeah. Um, yes. When he's you, just like, when you learn, in. Yeah, when you learn about what all what all he's capable of, it just makes you just respect the guy more. Um, yeah. And then you yeah. watch Ghosts of Mars, and you go, "What the fuck, John? <laughs> what, the, what, have, what have you done, <laughs> John Carpenter? You're terrible." <laughs> no, we love John Carpenter, and uh, one day we'll intro this, and we'll actually have an interview with John Carpenter. Maybe um, we won't have to pretend. <laughs> Hopefully, he doesn't hear this. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are huge John Carpenter fans, but yeah. Um, <laughs> We, uh, yeah, so, so that's, that's where we're at now. It's middle of July, 2021. And we're telling you to watch a movie from 35 years ago and 40 years ago. Um, because honestly, it's probably better than fast nine. Hey, um, hey oh. you know, I love myself some fast oh, and furious. <laughs> they're yeah. not comparable. You're right. They're not com- comparable. <laughs> Fucking Vin Diesel family. Well, <sighs> Are they going to bring Brian back? I guess. I, of course they are. Because CGI Paul Walker. Yeah. What are these movies? <laughs> They're terrible is what they are. Yes, but that's the charm. <laughs> and and what? Mr. Nobody. Wasn't that Kurt Russell? Bring it all full yes. circle. Yes. Ah, ah. Arguably, the Fast and Furious franchise would not exist without John Carpenter. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> there, oh, there and go. also, wait a minute. Didn't I read that Hateful Eight was inspired by The Thing? Isn't that correct? Probably. Yes. Oh. It, it was like he did like a deep dive into it one time where he talked about all the scenes that were inspired by it. Sweet. Wait, you mean oh. to tell me a Quentin Tarantino oh, movie sweet. was inspired by a better movie? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Hey, Quentin I like Tarantino. me some Tarantino. Come no, on. That's whatever. I mean, it's you know, whatever. That's, it's a whole other podcast we'll have to get to is going it over is. Tarantino stuff because... Yeah, I've got thoughts, especially after these interviews he's been given lately. It's, it's pretty, <laughs> what pretty is he doing? What is nuts. he doing lately? <laughs> he's promoting his book. Yeah, All right, guys. He is. You know, because everybody loves Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm shitting so on Bruce much. Lee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what John Carpenter would never do? 
shit on Bruce Lee. That's all I'm no, saying. No, I'm sure he would if he had the chance. <laughs> no, he Carpenter wouldn't. Would shit on anyone. <laughs> if a paycheck was involved, possibly. Okay. In that case, let's let's wrap this up. Uh, it's been great, guys, uh, talking with you guys again, where we don't have to do an interview and we can just shoot the shit about John Carpenter and, and talk about 80s movies because those are the best movies. And uh, yeah, we'll do it again soon. But uh, to the five dudes that this conversation was, you know, for, <laughs> thanks for hanging in there. Yeah. Yeah. If you've made it this far, we love you. And uh, <laughs> you're our you, kind of people. You, you really should seek us out and be friends with us because, yeah, we, we love you guys. All right. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you guys. Bye. 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 Bye.